Hi, I'm Eric Ostro, host of Live with the Lortel. For season three, we are focusing on the intersection of arts and advocacy. So many off-Broadway artists give back to their communities. This season, we are giving them the opportunity to speak about how and why they chose the causes they devote themselves to and how those causes help them make them the people and artists they are today. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Live at the Lortel. My name is Eric Ostro. We have a very exciting show for you this evening. I want to bring on my co-host and my dear friend, Anne James. Anne, hello. Hello, darling. Mm-mm. It's good to see you. I'm going to bring on <laughs> our guest, J.G. Makapugai. J.G. Makapugai is a proud Filipino-American actress and artist currently in Suffs at the Public Theater. She was in the original Broadway cast of School of Rock and has been seen in many off-Broadway productions, including Soft Power and Here Lies Love. She is a proud member of Broadway Barcada, a collective of Filipino artists who support each other through their programs of performance J.G. has a mission for storytelling as a means for change, particularly for amplifying the stories of Asian Americans. Ladies and gentlemen, the talented J.G. Makapugai. Welcome. Very good. You said my name very well, Eric. Good to see you, J.G. Good to see you. Hello. Thanks for having me. So I'm just going to kick on off then. I'm going to, can you, you can hear me, right? I was Did just going to ask you right away, you know, just to to lead in. How did you discover your passion for musical theater? Well, again, thanks for having me here today. Oh, yeah. It's just a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice to meet you. I discovered my passion for musical theater when I was in high school. And even then, I always felt like I was a late bloomer because it didn't really happen until my junior year. I didn't really start singing until the karaoke machine early, (laughs) early high school. And uh, the first musical I ever did was Fiddler on the Roof playing (laughs) Seidel because, you know, that's what you would immediately think when you look at me. Immediately. uh, You know. So I would cast, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for non-traditional casting even back then. So, yes, yes. And I started doing it then. And then I kind of stopped for a long time. I went into majored in advertising in college. And then, yeah, I was working at an ad agency. Oh, gosh, for almost three years. And musical theater was not even on my mind. And then I auditioned for Disney World on my day off from the office. And that was kind of my backdoor entry into musical theater. I worked at, at Disney World for a long time. And then I thought, I, I really want to be on Broadway. So I'm going to have to leave Orlando, Florida and, and move to New York and give it a shot. So let's go back a little bit to Disney, wow. because I love to hear about <laughs> our artist's experience with Disney. So you were you played Pocahontas. Is that right? That was one of the shows that I did at Disney World at the, the Animal Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Animal Kingdom, yeah. We've had some guests on the show who have talked about great experiences and everything is a madhouse backstage, changing wigs and grabbing different costume pieces and, you know, some people not showing up and someone has to go on as Ariel and the Ariel costume didn't fit. I mean, what was your experience 
And what did you get out of your experience working with Disney? You know, Disney's a great launching pad or landing pad for your career. You can start your career off there and then go to uh, New York, L.A., or you can literally just have your wonderful career at at the park and you can have a house and a car and and there's so many shows and industrials and they take care of their people there. You know, when I was there, I was really happy, but there were some crazy experiences. Like I told you, I started out as an ad exec. So when I got my Disney contract, it was only six months. I thought of it as vacation, right? Like I'm at the animal kingdom. I'll be honest. I was partying like crazy (laughs) going to Tampa and going to the bars and my mom is probably watching this right now but you know what I'm just going to be honest and that's okay say everything sorry best yeah (laughs) thanks so well that's what you that's what your young 20s is for no I mean right right? however Uh (laughs) so however that one of the shows that I did um and I'm going to do a little bit of name dropping because she's one of my closest friends and mentors, even though we're like the same age. But like Montego Glover and I were at Disney World at the same time mm-hmm. and we were singing the same track. And I was the morning track. She was the afternoon track. And she heard my shows. And after my show, she said, because she was in the, mo- in the green room listening to the show. And she's like, hey, can we talk? And I was like, okay. She's like, when people ask me, what do you do, Montego, to be a healthy singer she's like all you need are three things you need to drink a lot of water get a lot of rest and warm up i just heard your shows jg which of these three things did you do now mind you i've it's my first job ever yeah. <laughs> i was i was at disney world i was at the happiest place on earth and i was having right. a good time and what was so your again, answer partying till 4 a.m I think I was drinking PBRs. <laughs> oh, shit. And I hadn't slept yet. I went straight from, you know, the gotcha. bars to, the, to Disney. And she So there said, was no warming up. There was, there no, was no warm up. up. None of those three no things, you know? Water um, and yeah. no rest. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. So, and this is where it was, you know, a gift when people come to you and they, Mm. they are your mirror. And she said, I like you. And, you know, it's about longevity. It is about a craft. This is about a career. And I don't want you to cut your career off short because you've been not taking care of yourself or this show or this experience. And I'll tell you what, from that day on, it just changed my mindset. I was like, oh, even if this is a job at Disney World, this is a very important job. And it did make me think that, oh, this is a profession. People, no matter what you are in, whatever job you're in, you take it seriously. And thank goodness it happened so early on in my career that I was able to take those lessons and move them forward. And you better believe, drink lots of water, warm up. (laughs) <laughs> get some rest before every performance almost within you know being realistic yeah, but that's yeah, always the goal oh, so the partying amazing. was put aside and the focus was put on performance yeah and you know it's work-life balance it's very important yes, to course. have both but yeah yes. but when you're doing the gig it's important to make sure that you treat that job as the most important job 
So as of right now, you are performing in Selfs mm-hmm. by Shana Tab, which just got extended to the end of the month. It keeps get extending. Talk to me about the show and why it is so relevant right now where we are. I mean, it was relevant five years ago. It was relevant 20 years ago. But today, right now, it is show, so Yeah, it relevant. couldn't be more relevant, especially today, because I, I'm not sure if you knew this, but Suffs was going to be at the public for the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment of Women's Rights, Right to Vote. And that was supposed to be in 2020, 2021. But then obviously it couldn't happen because of the pandemic, because of COVID. But everything happens for a reason. Now in 2022, I feel like it was meant to be at this time, particularly because of what has happened within the last two weeks about the leak of the Supreme Court case of what's happening with the possible overturn of Roe versus Wade. And what's fascinating to me is that when the case of the 19th Amendment happened, it went down to one state, Tennessee, because even though Congress passed the amendment for the women's right to vote, it still needed to have all 36 states to ratify it. And it went down to one state to decide that, and that's Tennessee. And right now, it is down to Roe v. Wade and the Tennessee case of whether or not this is going to happen for them. And it's just so fascinating that like now from Tennessee then and Tennessee now, it's like so important. It is. It really, truly is. And, you know, with all the overturn, uh, you know, with the, with the contest and the discussion behind closed doors, you know, we as theater artists have an opportunity to bring issues of our country to the forefront. And we are the storytellers. We are the, the tapestry menders of our country. And I just want to know, you know, how you feel about being on stage and telling America about itself, specifically from your point of view as a Filipino woman. And, you know, how do you feel telling America about this part of our history? I will tell you that, you know, I um, listened to your podcast with uh, Christina Wong recently, and I was really impressed by her experience and activism. And I'm like, I was thinking, wow, they're going to have me there interviewed at the Lord Tell next week. I'm like, I, I haven't written a one woman show. I am not. She's like a member, an assembly woman in LA. And I was thinking, what am I, why am I being interviewed? And I was thinking about my activism and I, I would even call myself like the reluctant activist because I would never even say that I'm the, the loudest person in the room or that I'm angry, but I don't really show my anger on my social media platforms or I was trying to figure out what I am. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I can be the reluctant, insecure activist. That's why, because that's still an activist. <laughs> and the truth is, it's like being on stage and continuing to be in this business that is so hard. It's really, I mean, you're both artists and actors as well. You know that it's a struggle to just even be able to continue going to appointments and showing your face and preparing for the work. But like 
I know that it is important for people to see our faces, to see my face on stage, particularly with Suffs, because I've noticed over the last few weeks that after the show, there have been a group of Chinese American women from NYU that have come to see the show about five, six times. And they've told me that they're coming to see the show again. And they love the show. They're here to support and they're proud of me in the show. And when Shayna Tao was writing Suffs, she wanted to talk about the struggle of women and the right to vote and how complicated it was. But she also wanted to show the representation of the women that were involved. She found actual piece of a woman, a Chinese nationalist who came to the march to represent her country wanting to show her daughter and she brought her baby to the march and wanted to represent her country and show her daughter that she was proud of her. Shana found that snippet and she put it into the show and one of our actresses, Mia Pak, she sings about this experience during the march. And of all the things that can be discussed and expressed in the show, Shana thought that was important and I'm so thankful for it because now, you know, women of all nationalities and Chinese and Asian American women will see themselves on stage. Yes. That's amazing. And thank you for carrying that. And thank you for being a part of the legacy of the show and being willing to be uh, a representative of the Asian community, a representative of the Asian community for sure. I appreciate that the Lortel wants to express the activism of Asian Americans in the arts this month. Like, I've never experienced anything like that. I've never, this is the first time anyone's asked me to talk about my experiences during AAPI Heritage Month. And I've been an actor for over 20 years. Yeah. Like, this, this, yeah. Usually it's centered around like Asian American podcasts, whether it's a, an Asian American group, but for okay. the Lortel to reach out to me, I think it's wonderful. And I feel like there'll be new audience members that will learn and be exposed. And, and I appreciate that. I want to make a left turn a little bit because there's one of my favorite shows that you did for a long time, which I saw, I think three times. I loved it so much. You know what I'm going to say, right? HLL? Yes. Here Lies Love. Here Lies Love. (laughs) So Here Lies Love, my friend, you know, I'm shoe obsessed. And look, I'm a gay man from New York. Those are my children. So that first time I sat down to see that show, I was blown away. The music, the acting, the story, I mean, everything about that show is 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 perfect. And, you know, Ruthie Ann originated the part, and then you got to take it over for a while. I did get an opportunity to see you go on, and I'm so happy I did because it was such a, a different experience with you on. And you, you were magnificent. Thank um, you. You inhabited that character from the shoes right up to your head. Mm. Can you talk to me a little bit about the process of HLL? Is that what we call it? <laughs> I feel so hip. HLL. <laughs> and being in the room with the writers and creating something from the beginning and, you know, where it went. Well, you know, they had been working on the show for, so they it premiered in 2013. 
And I auditioned for it about maybe four times and they had different (laughs) developmental workshops of it and I wasn't a part of those workshops and I was sad every time and I remembered praying I was like all right God I want to be part of Here Lies Love no matter what way you want me to be a part of this show this is an important piece it's about Filipinos it's a majority Filipino cast. This is everything that I want as an artist to represent myself, my country, something super fun and rocking and like the best music. Let me know how that'll be. So I prayed and then, you know, blessings came down and they're like, you're going to be a swing and you're going to have to cover six women (laughs) in the show. So when I first booked the show, the show had already been open for a few weeks. Six and swings. Yes, right. I had to swing uh, six that's different another, women. That's another podcast, so continue. Yeah, with I, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yes, yes. And you having seen the show, you know it's not just like one proscenium stage. It's two proscenium stages with a side stages. There's a blender stage that moves and rotates and opens and closes. And the audience is on the floor. Like for the people that have never seen Here Lies Love, you walk in as an audience member. You walk in as a member. You are at the club for 90 minutes. And yes, we're telling the whole story. We are part of the show. You are so part of the show. Yes. So I had to learn six different women, including Imelda. And it was the hardest job I've ever had to date. And I am so proud that I had that experience. And I know that I never want to swing again. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I, I hear that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and if there was one show to swing, I'm so proud that it was that show, if that was how I can get my in. And then um, I ended up uh, having to cover all the women. And then Ruthie was just, again, a master class. I've been fortunate to cover two women that are so incredible and a masterclass every time I saw them on stage. One was Ruthie Ann Miles in Here Lies Love and the other is Grace McLean in Suffs. And both are extraordinary women and so grounded and creative and just doing different things every single night. And I'm so fortunate. Um, but yeah, to to do Here Lies Love with Alex Timbers as the director and music by David Byrne, it was the best combination of people at the top of their game wanting to tell this really important story, but in such a unique way. And how do you play the role of Imelda Marcos in a way that is honest? She's so hated by many, but she's loved by many as well. Um, and DB, I've been doing a lot of acronyms, DB, David Byrne, he wasn't even thinking about the show initially as this Filipino musical. He was fascinated about what it is about people who live in a bubble, like Imelda Marcos, like this this woman who embezzled billions from her country, but oh, she put a disco ball in her Park Avenue apartment, like Michael Jackson and the amusement park that he builds as his home. Like what motivates these people to do this and he's like mm-hmm. I'm going to do it through a disco paparetta and and tell her story and let you decide how you feel about this woman. Wow. 
I mean, being a huge, being a huge 80s boy growing up in the 80s and being, you know, playing David Byrne all the time. And then with his Utopia show, et cetera. I mean, I've had so much of him. Thank God. Thank God he's back in my life. I know. You know? And yeah. you didn't come in until a little bit after. Mm-hmm. But Byrne was, was still there. Oh, yeah. And Fat Boy Slim. Mm-hmm. So they're still creating as you, as you're going, and you are covering six different roles. Well, what did you learn from this incredible artist, Ruthie Ann Miles? What What did you learn from her watching her every night? What I learned from Ruthie is her being so grounded in the work. And when we were doing the show, I eventually took over. And I still wanted to make it my own, but because I was also wanting to make sure I captured the show that was created with her having done it since the beginning, I wasn't able to put fully myself into it. But what was lovely is that in 2017, they ended up doing the production in Seattle at Fifth Avenue Theater, and I was asked to play Imelda for that entire run. So what was awesome was to have my observation of of working with her and seeing this, how she did it, and then when I got to Seattle, I was able to create my own take on it based on Mm -hmm. my own lived experiences as a Filipina-American and having that time to cultivate a show that was my own. I think it's so interesting, too, that the elections have just happened again, and uh, Marcos is in power again, it looks like. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's crazy. It's feel? circular. How do you feel it, about that? Well, I'm, it's another podcast, like Eric said, okay. <laughs> in and of itself, okay. because it, it is crazy how history repeats itself. Mm. And unless you ha- continue to have art as an example of, soft power and again I'm probably seeing it as a pun intended because there is such a strength when you have art that is able to express what's happening in the world to shed light there were activists in Seattle that initially were not for us doing Here Lies Love because they thought it was glamorizing the life of Imelda Marcos Mm -hmm. they're thinking that this is not the way to represent the real people of the Philippines but when we invited them and this is I will give it to Seattle Repertory Theater for inviting them to the show and be part of conversations and talkbacks. And one of my other mentors is an activist named Cindy Domingo, who is an activist in Seattle. Her brother was murdered by the Marcos regime. And she came to the show and she ended up supporting it because of how it is a subversive piece of art and how our intention is to show that this happened. Because if you don't create art that allows you to make the decisions, then you'll, you'll, you won't have had the exposure to, that it even existed in the first place. And going back to Shayna with Suffs, there are so many other political musicals that are about white men that were assassins and presidents and very important pieces okay but this is the first musical that's told from the woman's point of view i haven't seen any other musicals about female the women suffragists and and thank god for it because it's up to our artists and our writers and composers to 
tell those stories. And I am lucky that I am in these stories. And I also try to make it my mission to be part of shows that reflect the changing landscape of our world and to represent my people as well. Which you are doing. I mean, I think at least for HLL, here like here like <laughs> I'm probably that. the only one that uses the, that well, acronym, but you know, let's now. just go with it. You know, I I feel like being part of the show, which I had no idea, you know, when I walked in that that that, that was going to be. What did you? I mean, I, I feel like the show left us to decide, and there's nothing better to me than a piece of art that lets you, the audience member, decide right, it's wrong, true. what happened, et cetera. You let it out there, pieces and parts, and then you'd see these other sides, the humanity sides. And can I ask you, unless you're going to do this again, what, where you were at the end of doing the production? How do you mean? What was your point of view on who you were playing and your mm-hmm. husband and from HLL, from Here Lies Love? Well, you have obviously your own, as a Filipino, you have your own history, you have your own knowledge, you have your own mm-hmm. reporting, etc. But I'm interested in what you, the actor, came out as her point of view. I'll tell you about my family, like... My yeah. mom and immigrated to the states, United States in the 70s. And part of the reason why she left the Philippines was because of martial law and what the Marcoses were doing to the country and wanted to make a better life for herself and her families. And she and my dad came to the states and were able to live the American dream by raising their kids in America. If they had stayed in the Philippines, I don't know what would have happened. Now, none of my parents were political activists, but for me, when I did the show, I was, I've always been so upset about what the Marcoses have done to the people, but as an actor can't, necessarily show that you have to be able to be as honest with the character that you're creating and to understand the plight of why someone is motivated to do what they want to do and that can only come from coming from a place where not necessarily falling in love with the role that you're playing but just to be able to understand who they are and how they were raised and what motivated them to make the decisions that they made so I try to keep it as separate but the truth of the matter is they were terrible people. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But as an actor, you can't make that judgment. You have mm-hmm. to go on stage right. and, and play the part as if you were doing what you were supposed to be doing. And mm-hmm. that came through. Yeah. You really Thank have you. to connect the dots. And I wanted to ask you, speaking of connecting the dots, um, you talked about your parents coming to this country. And I'm wondering... I'm a fan of Filipino food, okay? Yes, yes. And I'm wondering, <laughs> you know, what dishes you're, what, 
you know, how food played a part in, in your parents coming here and have they passed on recipes to you? Do you cook adobo? Are you like... <laughs> All right. Like, Anne is what? throwing down the national dish of the Philippines right now. Come on now. now. Come on. <laughs> like, how do you create that connection with your ancestors being a, you know, first generation American? How do you connect your life here in this country with your ancestry? Oh my gosh, food is the ultimate connector. I mean, right. it just is. It's like I have my own version of adobo. My fiance is Filipino. He's half Filipino. He has his own version of adobo. Okay. We like, you know, spar a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, the way my mom cooked it and the way his mom cooked it. And, you know, it'll be up to you to decide if you're ever able to try. I want to have the taste okay. test. I will yeah. come. Yeah. Coming. Yeah. How's next know. Friday? come on come on to Brooklyn (laughs) yeah food is the ultimate connector and it's what like I'm with an organization here in in New York called Broadway Barcada and it's a collective of Filipino Americans we had an adobo cook-off once like yeah a few years ago we had an adobo cook-off and I don't know if you've had Jose Yana on but he won He won. And uh, we had all different kinds of adobo. But yeah, it's what brings all of us together. Like, it's we laugh. We're the loudest group of people when we're all together. And yeah, it's it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate. We love it. Talk to me about um, being the member of Broadway Barcada. Sure. And, um, And talk to our audience and our participants about what this organization is and and the part you play in it. Here Lies Love wasn't the first time I played Imelda Marcos. I also played Imelda Marcos in 2009 in a show called Imelda, a new musical with an Asian repertory. (laughs) Okay. You know, and then again, that there's another podcast we could talk about the other spinoffs or why are the, all all these Filipino musicals are about Imelda Marcos? But you know, <laughs> that's for reserved for another conversation. But yeah, I played her in another show, and all of us in that show were Filipino, and we connected. And after the show closed, we knew that we wanted to still. It's it's just so rare to have an opportunity to have a cast of Filipinos. Most of the musicals that I've I've done have been more either traditional like Miss Saigon or King and I but this was a show of a, that was a Filipino story and we all became very close and we knew that we wanted to keep our community going beyond this show that we did and Broadway Barcada was created by Liz Casasola and Billy Bustamante and Brian Jose they're all my like closest friends and we continue to put concerts together. We started out with like nine people and now it's over 150 people and Filipino American actors in New York. And we perform for different events. We fundraised for typhoon relief in the Philippines, performed at the White House. We've performed in Vegas and it's just to continue spreading awareness so that If we're not in shows on Broadway or off-Broadway, we continue to produce it for ourselves, for each other, to keep our chops up and to perform for the community. There's a a dance concert called Lomipad, where it's usually in November, and it features Filipino choreographers and dancers. And it's just a wonderful way to keep our group going. And many times it's hard to keep working there are a lot of actors that jump from show to show to show and because of 
you know, lack of opportunities and shows for us. We have to do our own thing, too. And you get in where you fit in. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I knew you would yeah. have the um, yeah. the sound bites. I told you I'm a rambler. But, yeah, you get in where you fit in. Okay, Anne. That's awesome. <laughs> so how, how do we how do people get involved? Um, again, there's you put up the website. We also have a page on Facebook. If they want to know what events that we have planned, they'll be posted on Broadway Barcada as well as on the Facebook page. And there are always events, and we're always looking to meet new Filipino American actors. But we also would like to perform for the public as well. So mm-hmm. just get on, get on to the website. I love you as an artist because. You're not afraid to dive into the deep end. You seem to have a passion for collaborating on new musicals, um, you know, including Tears from Heaven by Frank Wildhorn, Internal oh, Bleeding Frank. by Christine Toy Johnson, who I love, and Honor by Pete Mills. You get right in there in these new musicals, and I love that an artist gets in on the ground floor and, you know, works with the with the book writer and the and the musical talent and and all of that stuff give me a little bit about your process when you're working on something new many times i wouldn't see myself in the traditional musicals beyond king and i and and miss saigon you know after i left disney and i moved to new york i couldn't really find my I would audition for these shows and it never really connected to me but new musicals are really where I felt like I was able to find my voice plant myself into these shows and it was also where to be honest that's where I was getting cast I think because I have a hard time fitting into the molds of whatever uh, archetypes these uh, traditional musicals are that like, it was always the, the new pieces, pieces by uh, like Christine Toy Johnson, who, by the way, I needed to give a shout out. She is, she and her group APAC are getting recognized by the Tonys and they are going to get for their contribution with the Asian American Pacific. Wait, I need to get this Pacific right. I want to API. Yeah, AAPAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah, and because, you know, in addition to being actors and working in the business, they created this visibility report for the last, I don't know, is it 10 years? And showing Asian Americans and every race and their contribution and who's working in theater right now. And the Tonys are recognizing them. And I'm just, I cannot be more thrilled to celebrate them and champion all of their hard work in addition to writing their pieces like Christine's always working and also always writing. She is one of my mentors as well and I I just I can't I'm so thrilled that they're getting acknowledged for this work and that's a lot of metrics being able to channel like where the people of color are working in the industry compared to years prior I'm going on a tangent there just to say how. That's okay. We love Christine Tour Johnson here. Yeah. Too, so she's. <laughs> yes. She's yes. an unbelievable artist. Yeah. She's fantastic. I really do love her and everyone else involved with APAC. But yeah. So new pieces. I, I jump right in. I'm able to like, I don't have to compare myself to how would Leia Salonga sound when she's doing this? Because for many years, you know, she was the reason why I got into the business. I wanted to, to be Mulan. I wanted to be Kim and Miss Saigon. 
but then the truth was once these shows I couldn't find myself in them but I get to create it from the beginning based on my own lived experiences based on like I have my own way of doing it because I grew up Filipino American and then I'll put that into the show they'll either you know throw in an accent if it is appropriate or you know be able to just find my own way in that's wonderful you know I I have never met a person from the Philippines who could not sing can you please tell me (laughs) what you do when your babies that make such beautiful voices I mean just incredible voices come from you what was your mom and dad singing to you when you were a baby did you how does that happen across the board <laughs> that's so sweet <laughs> well I did start singing with my dad's karaoke machine he had okay. two karaoke machines in the house and one was like the practice karaoke machine that didn't have all the bells and whistles the other one had like led lights and you know all the it was a, a very fancy one and wow. that would be I the one that we those, would have by the way I love you yeah, I love, <laughs> love them Eric yeah I know who knew it's a trashy part of me that I'm putting out there yes I that love was it. it you know I was I was listening to Whitney Houston on the karaoke machine and I would record myself play it back and then fix what I didn't think sounded right and that was the beginning of like rehearsing uh, was, yeah. was working on my karaoke music and for the next Filipino party and my dad and I would sing we would sing oh gosh Nat King Cole Natalie King Unforgettable that was the uh-huh. duet that we would sing for every Filipino and he started me out in that way and Filipinos do love to sing and it honestly it, it does come it's it's rooted in that karaoke machine <laughs> and Filipinos well, are so mimics grateful. yeah they're mimics too so that that they yeah. they like to try to do exactly the same phrasing that Frank Sinatra sings in my way or uh, Mariah Carey they'll like be able to get down riff for riff of what I'm I'm not like what? that but there are a lot of people that a lot of Filipinos I know that can do that I have a question. It's actually one of Anne's, but I loved it. Is there a story or an experience of an ancestor or someone new that you met, maybe at the stage door or somebody that wrote you a letter of of Filipino descent that brings a smile to your face or touched your heart in a way that you'll never forget? Yeah, most recently it happened at Sof's. I came to the stage door and there was a... Filipina with her two daughters and they wanted me to sign their playbill because it was important for them, for this Filipino mom and her two daughters to see another Filipino in the show because her mother, those girls' grandmothers, was one of the first Filipino suffragists that helped to make the right to vote. And so she wanted her daughters to have this experience. And and I was wow. I was blown away. I didn't even know, you know, I didn't even know how many Filipino suffragists there were. And wow. and and then I did a little bit of my own research and one of my 
ensemble characters in the show in in the march i i dedicate to sofia de vera who is one of the filipina suffragists that brought what she learned in america back to the philippines so that they could have the women's right to vote there's so many stories that we don't know about i never have known about it or done this research unless i did the show and so like in schools we didn't hear or read about what happened with women and how the struggles they had to fight to get to vote and beyond a, maybe a paragraph about Susan B Anthony but right. in our show That's we're it. able right. to yeah lean in and talk about how complicated it is and how much hasn't changed because social justice movements have are flawed today and they've been flawed then but yet you need to have them, even if they're flawed, in order to get change made. So bringing that to these little girls, they were so cute. You know what? Will you say that again? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> There's the soundbite. There's the soundbite. Yeah, sound sound I, I would love was- for you to say that again, if you can remember what you said. Yeah. All I'm saying is that like social justice movements – will continue to be necessary, even if it's flawed, even if it's complicated, in order to get change to be made. It takes a long time for change to be made, and mistakes will continue to happen, but it's all about the numbers. So like last week, when the the leak came out about the potential overturn from the Supreme Court, Shayna Taub immediately reached out to the rest of the subs in an email and said, there's going to be a rally in the park and we would like whoever's available to come down there. I had rehearsal, so I couldn't make it. But immediately about 15 of the women in our show came to the park and there were hundreds of women that showed up and, and the subs performed and they sang a song, Never Over. And and the song never over. It's true. It's like we don't forget our failures. This is what the suffs are saying. Don't forget our failures. We did not complete it. And it's up to you to continue to uh, with the work. And that's the only way that change will happen because who knows what's going to happen with with SCOTUS over the next few weeks. But we're coming out in numbers. Um, keep marching is one of the things that we say in our show is continue yeah. to fight, keep marching, keep representing, keep, keep coming at it, keep going at it. And we won't be until you won't be ignored. Yeah, we have to drag this country into an understanding of what real equity is and what real equality can be. You know, it is an experiment. This whole country is. But unless we keep adding a little of this and taking away a little of that, we're going to end up with the same results over and over again. And I'm really, really proud to say that, that your show and, you know, even POTUS that's, that's on, you know, the farce that's that's happening, you know, women are at the forefront of both of those productions and they're very politically driven. And while they, you know, while POTUS is a farce and it does have a little bit of comedy that kind of, you know, helps the medicine go down. Both shows are very, very deserving of attention. And without shows like Suffs, 
I feel like we just bury our heads in the sand and we don't give respect to the women that have come before us. So I so appreciate you being in that show and showing little girls what it takes. You know, we don't all have to be politicians. We can all, Amen. Yeah. you know, we can all do our part to show America how we can be better. You know, Andy, your point about not burying your head in the sand, like, I still think of myself as the reluctant activist because it's hard for me to be able to speak my mind. And many times it's through my presence being in shows, but something happened during the rehearsals for Suffs that I had to, I felt I had to announce on my social media platforms, even if it was hard, because I wanted to spread that light that violence uh, and uh, harassment towards Asian Americans post-pandemic, during this pandemic, is, is still a thing. But in February 25th, I was on my lunch break going back to the theater, and a man on Lafayette Avenue started following me and swearing at me. And I wasn't sure if it was me at first, so I just kept walking but then I felt that he was getting closer to me and so it was a busy street so I literally just kind of uh, went off to the side and let him pass me and I made eyes with the devil (laughs) and we looked at each other and then he started to follow me again and I was near the public theater and I knew that I needed to get inside the public because I had security there and he kept following me up until I got inside the building swearing at me and I was shaking because I just I'm like I couldn't believe this is happening I've lived in New York over since 2004 I've never had that kind of experience before and luckily our security team was there took care of me he had already turned the corner and left by the time that they were looking for him but I felt like I needed to say something even if I didn't want to, even if I wanted to kind of bury my head in the sand and not say anything. But I knew that if I didn't, the awareness that that kind of harassment um, still exists and wanting to take care of my people, my friends, whoever is on my platform that like to just be aware, stay vigilant, do something about it. Just even if it was hard to do, I made sure that I said something. You should. I mean, what... I mean, if you don't mind me asking, and if you don't have to go too deep into it, mm-hmm. but what what was he yelling at you about? What I what, mean, what, can what, I swear? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I allowed of course. To swear? Yeah. He just kept yeah. calling me a fucking bitch. He kept on calling me a fucking bitch over and over again. And I even said this on my platform. I'm like, I don't know if he was doing it because I was Asian. I'm not right. sure. But in that same week, at the same week that that happened to me, a man who was... The, the Chinese lady is a play that is that was at the public and um, they had their first preview that week and they had a uh, dancers these dragon dancers perform one of phenomenal the play. performers yes phenomenal Shannon Tayo also just won an award um, fantastic but one of the dragon performers got beaten up just before who was Asian American just before the uh, first preview and he still wanted to perform. And when the public reached out to him asking if he wanted to make a statement, he didn't want to. And that's perfectly within his right, right? But yeah. when it happened to me, and again, we don't know if he was beaten up 
because he was Asian. We don't know if I was harassed because I was Asian, but we both happened to be Asian and it just happened in the same week. And just a few weeks before that, there was a woman that was murdered and that was an Asian hate crime in in the same area. So I was like, I've got to say something just because maybe by saying something, it'll be less. Uh, It it won't happen. Um, And it made me feel better that I said something about it but it's hard it's not it's not easy to do and and culturally it's not something that I um typically you know in my family you you work hard you stay safe you try not to ruffle too many feathers and you um are a good good girl and a good student but I am tired of being quiet you I'm better tired. say it you are tired of being quiet yeah. yes i'll tell you what like honestly speaking on podcasts aren't necessarily like the easiest thing for me because i even i tend to be a little bit more shy when it comes to things now my friends will be like there's nothing shy about you jj but like it is it's a vulnerable thing but and both of you have been so wonderful and i feel very safe and and thankful for that but it's true it's like the reason why I continue to do this is because Bayork Lee, uh, legendary Bayork Lee of Chorus Line, said to me that if I ever have an opportunity to speak about my work, even if I don't want to, you should, because you're a, an Asian American voice, and there will be Asian American young kids that are going to watch and listen, and they will be moved by the work that you're doing. And I'm thinking, really? Are you sure you? I mean, there are other people. She's like, no, you've got to do it. Even and so I have continued to work through my issues on like how stressful it can be to speak in public about these things. But ultimately, I always feel better afterwards. And maybe over time, it'll get more like comfortable. But, you know, again, with the two of you being so wonderful, it's it makes it much easier for me. But I yeah, think, if we've got an opportunity to speak, we've got to do it. I think it takes time. I think it yeah. takes time to really know what you're saying. I think it really takes time to help you know, light a fighter under other people's behinds. And it looks to me like you're on your way. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are nice people, Anne and I, but you came at us from first moment and you you just keep talking about what, what you want to do. And it seems like you have a mission somewhere in there and objective somewhere in there. And I have every confidence in the world that it's, it's going to come out and thank God for Bioerkley period. <laughs> I mean, seriously, she just is uh, an icon in not only uh, Asian community, but all arts. She is an icon. And uh, I think oh. about signs. She's born on the same day as my mother. Oh, oh. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about, you know, you through this interview, we don't have much time left, but through this interview, you've talked a lot about women and, and men who have poured into you and who have advised you and have given you strength. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, how you apply your humanness and your maybe even your spirituality to the work that you do how do you stay sustained during these difficult times that we're living in 
what is your what is your foundation and what do you lean on to give you give you the strength to keep telling the stories as no matter how difficult yeah I, I'd say it's a healthy combination of prayer meditation family my fiance and good food <laughs> You know what? We can do any interview on food. You know, I, mean, I really do believe that's a great place to. Uh, I you told know, you set it. the table a week a week from Friday, <laughs> Ann and I are coming over. We'll have I some have uh, a show, but we'll have a late we'll have a late dinner. Some lumpia. Have you ever had lumpia, oh, Shanghai? Oh no, lumpia. You're like baby egg rolls, little baby no, egg rolls. No, but that's what I want. Yeah, anything <laughs> else? delicious. They're delicious. They're so good. Yes. So good. I do this meditation before mm. um, every show. I, I pray and I, I thank God for this opportunity to be able to do what I love to do. And I pray for roots and wings before the show and to mm. be grounded deep into the ground and then be able to have that strength to sprout wings through the show. Yeah. And I also say a prayer to the audience. I ask for the angels to whisper into the ears of the audience members to be open to receive what we have, the story we're about to tell them. Like, I pray that they'll like the show, but, you know, not everyone likes it, but just to be open to receive. Mm. Well, you got to have roots before branches. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that you say a prayer right before you go on. That, to me, says it all. (sighs) The roots and, and, and the branches. The roots is where it comes from, and then... The branches come from there. Well, I I tend to be like, I tend to, for most of my life, I feel like I've always been floating, but I've also realized over the years the importance to get grounded and rooted Mm -hmm. in what I'm doing. Yeah, it's easy to kind of like float around, but it takes more work to be grounded first. Of course. Well, congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. When did you get engaged? Uh, in January. Oh, <laughs> I see oh. the ring. I see the ring. See oh, oh, this yeah, one? Oh, let me put some sunshine, sunglasses uh. on. Wait a minute. Wait Congratulations. A minute. Is he an actor? <laughs> no, he's not an actor. He's um, oh, uh, by education God. a sculptor. <laughs> and, oh, nice. Uh, and also works in restaurant management. But yeah, so oh. yeah, he, he made that sculpture right there. Oh, how do I point? Oh, this pretty. Yeah, I see. Right there. It is very nice. <laughs> so one of, my, one of my last questions is, what is your hope for off-Broadway, Broadway, regional theater as we are in 2022 and about to go into 2023? What is your hope and your vision for the theater? I hope that commercial theater continues to take chances on new works and works that are like the way Strange Loop just got 11 nominations, Tony nominations, and it's so good and it's so different. And it's, and there's so many uh, writers and, and composers and, Gosh, I I would love to see more work like that. And that requires a lot of uh, people who believe and take chances in those kinds of stories. Um, I'd love 
to see Suffs on Broadway. I'd love to see a musical about women's voices by women for women on the, on a, the biggest stage. Yes. Yeah. For commercial theater, particularly on Broadway, I hope that they take more chances. And and it's hard. I get it. I know it's it's a risk, but... When the show's good, you, the show still always has to be good first, you know. Right, um, right. But yeah, like it's possible. It's possible to meet. Now's the time. Now now's is the time. the time to take the chance. Mm-hmm. Now, this now. hour has gone by so quickly. You I did wish it. that that we had another yeah. hour with you. I, <laughs> JG, you're an inspiration, Thank a you. magnificent artist. I see that you continue to look for your voice, and it seems to Anne and me that you are finding it. Oh yeah, Thanks. Oh, it's yeah. a work in progress. It's a, it's yes. a work in progress for sure. But I, I am really encouraged, is. and I'm so excited for dinner next Friday. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say before we signed off, my co-host and my very dear friend John Andrew Morrison is one of my co-hosts for Live at the Lortel. And John was nominated for a Tony Award this morning. And um, Oh, my gosh. I am over the moon. Um, His work was beautiful. It's so beautiful. I'm so proud. I'm crying more than him. I'm so proud. And that show is is something special. But for my dear friend and my co-host here at Live at the Lortel, besides Anne and Joy, uh, he is a co-host. For him to make his Broadway debut and get a Tony nomination, I could not be prouder. Um, I knew John before Strange Loop. I knew him when he was uh, working his survival job, and he has not changed one bit since since that time and like always been so kind he was trying to help me find a job when i was in between gigs he's and always so encouraging he has not still changed the he's the same mm-hmm. he's not changed if anything he's gotten better and his heart has gotten bigger that is our show and thank you so much you're so welcome um, jg you rock you Thanks rock so <laughs> our focus on aapi heritage month continues next monday may 16th when joy and i speak with clint ramos Clint is a designer, educator, advocate, and creative producer who has designed sets and or costumes for over 200 theater, opera, dance productions. We will talk about his design at, well, almost every Broadway institutional theater, as well as his work with Design Action. Design Action is an intergenerational coalition of BIPOC and white designers working to end inequalities in the North American theater. Then on May 23rd, Joy and I will wrap up season three with a special 2 p.m. interview with Shannon Tayo. Shannon is just coming off her big Lucille Lortel win for Outstanding Lead Performer in a Play for the Chinese Lady. Yeah. Go see that show if it hasn't closed. I think it closed. It closed. Yeah. She was. Shannon is not going anywhere. She's fantastic. She's fantastic. (laughs) Information about our upcoming guests and how to attend one of our live recordings can be found on our website, livewiththelortel.com. Ladies and gentlemen, theater is open. Go buy a ticket. Go do a student rush. Do a lottery. Go to the theater. Broadway, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway. Go see JG's show. Go see Suffs. It runs until the end of the month with some of the most fantastic artists working today. Have a wonderful night. 
JG, I feel like we made a new friend tonight. And uh-huh. again, I'll see you next Friday. <laughs> Have a great night, everybody. Okay, I'm going to reach out. Watch out now. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by the Lucille Lortel Theater. Live at the Lortel is produced by George Forbes, executive producer yours truly, and associate producer Jeffrey Schubart. Press is provided by Sin Gogolak, GoGo Public Relations. And special thanks to Nancy Hurwitz, Alana Candy Samuel, Mara Levinas, Carla Liriano, and Helen Chan. Live at the Lortel Sound Engineer and Mixer is Brian Falk at Abacus Entertainment. Thank you so much for listening.